He's like, Lord God, I just pray that, that these men can, can lift that log. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then it occurred like oh, the picture, right? The picture. But, but honestly, isn't that what we're trying to do spiritually today, right? We're, 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 we're here to seek the Lord. We're here to, to encourage one another, spur each other on towards spiritual growth, be there for one another. So again, if you can kind of just keep that, that correlation, that parallel in mind. But so, something beautiful that as, as uh, I had discussed with my wife, um, you know, about the topic of boot camp and, and why we were calling it th that event, she had something saved in her phone. She's like, I don't even know why I have this. But I was, I was like, this is too precious not to share. So it says, when a soldier enlists in the military, the first eight weeks are spent in boot camp training the body for combat. The physical body then becomes an extension of the soldier's arsenal. In much the same way, when Christians discipline themselves through prayer and fasting and reading the word, their lives become part of God's spiritual armory here on earth, which is his body and can be used to demolish spiritual barriers and set the captives free. That was just so, so powerful. And, and just the, 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 the rawness behind that is, is, is just so amazing. But going into today, you know, we're going we're gonna to start off with some worship in a little bit. We have some speakers that have spent so much of their time and energy and, and um, just in prayer on the topics that they have covered, a lot of passion but behind each speaker. If you can just do three things for me. So firstly, and this is a big ask, all right, but if you can ignore the titles that you've come in with. So what do I mean by that? Like, if, if you're like, if this is you and, and um, you know, you just walk around like, man, I'm, I'm a little quiet or I'm this, I'm that, that, that's titles that we've given ourselves, characteristics that we've given ourselves, correct? So can we just kind of step out of that and leave that behind for the next couple hours, right? Can we just walk in the image that, that God has created us for, right? Because if, if we're creating these, these barriers for us, right, that we, we need to break out of that to allow God to use us what we're called for. Do you, you guys agree? You know what I'm saying, right? All right. Secondly, participation, right? So this, you know, dur dur during the speaking, um, you know, if you can just be, re be receptive to what God is telling you. But again, don't be shy out there. We have games, uh, a lot of new faces that I don't recognize and I'm excited to meet. Um, you know, if you come in and you're like, oh, I came because of so-and-so, like just branch out, be comfortable with one another. We're all, we're all friends here. We all, we all have the same commonality. We're all brothers here in Christ, right? So it's like, why would you not want to meet your other brother, right? Am I right? Like who doesn't want to meet their family? All right. And thirdly, and, and, and the most important arguably is following through on your convictions, right? So th there's, there's a lot of topics and again, a lot of passion behind them. Um, there's a reason why this is a men's conference and, and the topics are, are catered to that, right? So there, Lord willing, there will be something that kind of hits home for you or, you know, you kind of feel that conviction. Can you just follow through on that? Can we just, can we just leave the, the facade behind of, of who we're walking around with and that smile that we have on our face and just respond to what the Lord is wanting to say to us? Can we do that? That's, that's my heart's prayer for today. Um, after each session, you know, we are going to have games, but um, more importantly than that, uh, we are going to offer some prayer. So Dennis and Gary, could you just wave your hand for me? All right. Thank you. So, so these two guys, and along with the speakers, um, if you go downstairs, and, and again, this will follow after each, each session break, and, and I'll kind of walk you through that. But as you're walking down the hallway, it'll be the second classroom on the right-hand side, and it's, it's labeled the war room. Um, you're going to find these guys and the speakers down in there. Just listen, just, they just want to encourage you. They just want to pray for you. Again, if, you know, if, if you want to go down there by yourself or grab a buddy, feel free to do that. But, you know, we call it the war room because it's, you know, how many of you realize how important prayer is, right? Like what we see here on earth is only a manifestation of what's occurring, you know, in the spiritual realm of things, right? So can we, can we just give God the time and attention that he deserves over our problems and over our issues? Um, you know, one amazing thing that happened was last Saturday, 
I went to Joe Christine's house and we were just kind of praying over the event. And on my way there, I just, I felt the Lord, you know, revealed to me about uh, Joshua and the battle of Jericho. And it was funny because prior to that, I was planning on talking about Joshua later in this conference anyway, but I didn't really put a whole lot into, into his, his uh, early career as, as leading the, the Israelites. But then what happened was Pastor Donnie, um, Sunday morning, what was his message on for everybody who was, was part of that? Jericho, the walls of Jericho. So it's like, man, if that wasn't confirmation, like I just had to smile at, uh, at Joe and, and, and Cody and my wife because it's like, God is so good. Like out of the hundreds of stories in the Bible, how, how does that happen? It can only be explained by, by, his, by his goodness, right? So, so as we go about our day, again, just kind of leaving that, that, that facade down, leaving those names that we've given ourselves, things that we've spoken over ourselves or what other people have spoken over us that are just kind of holding us back and, and chains that we're just kind of dragging along, right? Can, can we just forget about that and think about what in our life is our Jericho? So, so what, what is holding us back? What things are we struggling with that God just needs to break those barriers? Because, you know, the, the walls that, that were surrounded by Jericho, they were impenetrable by, by man, right? Thick, tall walls that it's, you were powerless, right? It took God, it took God to break through those walls to conquer the city that was standing in their way from the promised land, right? So it's, it's nothing that we can do on our own strength. And that's so, so many times, that's how we fight our battles, right? We're like, all right, if only I can do this and, and I got to do that. But, but it's all meaningless, right? If, if we're not seeking the Lord and getting on our knees and giving the problem, problem to God for him to handle, we're wasting our time. And it's like so many times we know the right answer, right? As Paul says, we know the right answer, but it takes us so long to actually follow through and carry out. So that, that's, again, that's my prayer. Just as, as you go about this day and you have these convictions, it's like, maybe that's your Jericho. Maybe that's something that you've been struggling with for, for weeks or months or years, or it just keeps, keeps coming back. Like those roots just keep growing and spurting up. And like you tried on your own strength to kick them out and, and get them out of the way. But it's like, here they are again, time after time. So I know we all have different backgrounds. I know there's folks from, from other churches and other denominations, but I uh, just wanted kind of to speak to how we worship. So um, Mike's going to lead us in, in some songs here. But again, can we all agree we probably have the same Bible if there's one at home? Like, do, do most of your Bibles have the book of Psalms, right? Okay. So, so Psalm 150, right off the bat, right? And, and again, this is absolutely no judgment to other denominations. Just want to kind of give a little brief um, discussion of, of why we worship the way that we worship. So, so Psalm 150, right? It talks about praising God with stringed instruments and praising him with this, praising him with that. So right off the bat, like we can see, like this is completely justified. And then at the end, it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. And then you look at Psalm 100 and you're like, okay, that's great for like the, the, the musical aspect of it. But, you know, I'm just, I'm quiet. I'm reserved. Psalm 100 says, shout for joy, all the earth. Shout for joy, right? So, so I love you guys. And I, and I don't mean this in a judgmental way at all. I, I promise you. But when you tell me like, man, I'm, I'm giving the Lord my best. And this, this is your worship phase. And this is, this is how you worship. It's like, we got some work to do. Can I, can I just be honest? And again, no, no judgment. I understand it. It takes like, there's a new atmosphere for you guys. You may only know one or two people here. That's okay. But again, just encouragement to just give God your best, your best in worship. Amen. Amen. So again, keeping in mind that our battles are best won, not in our own strength. You see, like when you, when you look at this, this, the story of, of Jericho, right? They, they were instructed by God to do what they were doing. 
they weren't actually doing anything physical that was leading to victory. Can you agree? Like they were following out, they were listening to, to the actions that they needed to do. But in reality, those, those laps that they were doing, they were victory laps. Like the battle has already been won, right? You know what I'm saying? Same thing with Paul and Silas in prison in the book of Acts. It's like they, they were chained and they were behind prison doors, but what freed them? It wasn't trying brute force, trying to knock these guards out. Their chains fell off as they, the Bible says, as they prayed and as they worshiped, right? So, so don't, don't think of it as just a song to sing along to, man. This is like, this is spiritual warfare. This is God. This is giving God the praise that he's so deserving of. Amen. So our battles are best won on our knees. So who wants to see a victory tonight? Today, rather. Amen.
sing it again. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it
lot of us are a little, little rigid still. That's all right. We're men. That's all right. That's all right. There's no shame in that. But this, this, these words that we just sang in this bridge, it says, rain came, wind blew, but my house is built on you. Christ is the cornerstone that we stand on. I don't want to give any spoiler alerts of what we're going to be talking about today, but that's going to be referenced later on in the day. He's the pillar on which we stand. Come on. He's the pillar on which we stand, man. Amen. Y'all are starting to wake up now. All right, good. So if we just, I just want to sing that bridge again, real soft and quiet here. That's our cry. We're going to put pride aside this morning. Guys, could you do me a favor? Put pride aside. And it's between you and God in this moment. Don't worry about what the man on the left or the right or in front of you and back is doing. Focus on him. built 
sovereign over all. You're sovereign over all. Come on, man. I heard you all talking before we started worship. Our God is sovereign over all. Come on. 
If we can't get loud down here, what do you think we're going to be doing up there? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. God's given us a voice. We give it back to him. Amen? We give it back to him. champion we come to the champion the one who defeated doubt fear anxiety Lord we need you Lord we need you every hour we need you Lord I need you oh I need you every hour I need my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Do we sing it again, Lord, I need, Lord, I need you, oh, I need you give the King of Kings some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Would you get loud for Jesus? Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for this group of men that came out. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we need you. We need you, Father. Oh, we need you, God. Lord, you see who we are. 
You know what you made. You know each man here today. You know every thought, every feeling, every struggle, every joy. You see every detail, God. You see our brokenness and our victory. And we need you, God. You are our strength. It's a real beautiful thing to be with you guys this morning. Early January, Saturday morning. I'm sure there's other things we could be doing, but this room represents men seeing they have a need for something bigger than themselves. And we're not lost in that place of just being needy. There's a solution, there's a hope. And that's also why you're here, because you know that. But we're an incomplete work right here. God's doing a work. God's doing a work. In uh, Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus was uh, sharing the Sermon on the Mount, he opens up with the first thing he says. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We're poor. We're really poor. And um, hey, these guys are motioning something to me. I got to sit there. Bring it down. Oh, yeah, y'all can take yeah, your I'm, seats. I'm not used to talking in front of people telling you to sit, so. Sit down. <laughs> it was so respectful. Everyone just kept standing, man. That's pretty awesome, you know. We should have just let that go and see how far that would go, you know. The old savvy veteran back there, he's like, you got these guys standing still? What's going on? Yeah, so we're poor, man. We're poor. We're poor in spirit. We're needy, just as we were singing there. And... You know, it's good to be here and be fed. Um, for those of you, some of you guys know me, um, but amazingly, a lot of you really don't know me outside of the little handshake outside. So my name's Jesse. Um, I've been a part of this Body of Christ Crossroads Community Church for, for just about two years now. And for those of you who are part of this body, I think that's been a similar journey um, for, for a lot of us, a short period of time. And if, if you know, you're part of another body of Christ, or maybe you're just waiting for where the Lord wants to lead you. We don't really know each other. It's such a unique time coming in any new place, a new job, any new space. We come into a new church. You don't know anybody, and no one knows you. And, you know, in that time, you have this opportunity to decide, what are you going to reveal about yourself? What are you going to let people see? You know, brand new, fresh slate. No one knows you. You can, you can play games with it. You can almost, in a, in a bad way, manipulate what you're going to choose to reveal to people. 
think of you know all the different sections of people, secular men in the world, men who know God, secular women in the world, women who know God and are trying to walk with God. I would say Christian men probably care the most about what people think of them. They're concerned about their reputation. And why are we concerned about reputation? Because we're following the ideal, Jesus. We're following perfection, who walked as a man and did everything blamelessly. And we, we wanna walk like him. He calls us to walk like him. But in that desire to walk and be like him and be a representative of him, Unfortunately, we're so flawed and needy, there's a long way to fall. And we get stuck in that concern where we fall beneath Jesus. I have the opportunity and the incredible privilege to talk with you guys about what C.S. Lewis called the great sin, pride. And it's humbling to talk about pride because as a man up here, I know that I still struggle as a prideful man. And so I can't speak to you on pride as a man of perfection or a man who's walking in perfect humility. I desire that. And I believe that each one of you have a desire to walk in humility. In James chapter 4, second part of verse 6, God puts it bluntly. God opposed the proud but gives grace to the humble. He opposed the proud. He made it real clear, I'm in opposition to pride. My perfect holiness wants no part of pride. I give grace to the humble. And and, and as Christian men, many of you have walked with God for probably way longer than me. And so we know about pride. We know the sin of pride. We're aware of it. We're trying to grow in it. We're trying to walk in humility. And so just so we're on the same page, let's hit a couple of the obvious ways that pride kind of presents itself. And often we recognize outwardly pride as being loud, boastful, giving a lot of praise and recognition to yourself. And then on the flip side, you're praising yourself and how great you are, and then you're putting people down. And that's a real obvious thing to kind of recognize. And then you get the more internal elements of pride that show up in the mind and the heart. And they're hard to judge. In fact, God says, like, we can't really judge another man's heart unless we be able to even judge our own heart. But he does, I believe, give us wisdom and discernment to recognize sin in our own hearts and minds and other people's hearts and minds. He gives us insight into that. And so how does pride often commonly show up? It's it's, a sense of being better than other people, you know, and in this feeling better than other people, you feel good about the things that you've done. And as you feel good about the things you've done, I mean, that that can be a great thing. It can be beautiful to feel good about the things you've done because you're helping people. And that's kind of what today in many ways is about. We're hoping to be greater men so we can bless people and help people. And that's good to feel good about that. But feeling good about the things you've done because other people didn't do it and I did it. There's the pride. We grow contempt for each other. We don't value sometimes the good in people or what they could become. And so we grow contempt. And that valuing, not valuing people, we put people down. We, we focus on the bad in people. And then we start focusing on the bad in ourselves. And we just get really fixated on sin. And in that sin fixation, we then become fixated on ourselves. And it's this fixation on sin and this fixation on ourselves 
That's the pride. It's eyes taken off the ideal, the perfection of Jesus. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And when we're focused on the bad, the sin, and ourselves, and oh, trying to be better, that's a place of pride. And, but I think a lot of us know that already. I think it's kind of redundant to, to pound on that any longer because I, I imagine most of us are wrestling with some of those common prides. But I, I, one of the prides I wanted to kind of focus in on is, you know, these, these common prides, they can create an atmosphere of judgment. A judgmental atmosphere that makes things tense. It gets hard to connect and relate with God and each other when these more common elements of pride are in our life. And so I want to focus in on the pride of shame, but not shame in the sense of, ashamed of our sin before God, but it's the shame amongst people of being exposed for how sinful we might really be. We don't want to allow things to be revealed. We're concerned with this reputation and presenting a godliness that we want people to think that we are. But what lies beneath? The devil was an incredible preacher. Before he fell, God made him beautiful, and he became so enamored with his beauty. And he didn't recognize the supremacy of God, his creator, as giving him the ability to be beautiful. And in that pride, he fell. I think back to a time in my, early in my marriage. I've been married for about, um, a little over 10 years now. And um, it was about two years into my marriage, and uh, we fight. We fight today. We fought then. And fights can get pretty intense. Um, very intense, not physically, but emotionally and verbally. And as a man who struggles with pride and, and, and the crafting of words and identifying sin and pointing out flaws in people. Well, I got real crafty at finding the flaws in my wife. And so in this time that the Lord kind of drove me to as I was preparing for this early in our marriage, about two years in, was there was things that were wrong. And maybe I was more right. Maybe she was more right. But it doesn't really matter in a marriage to what degree we're right. Oh, I'm 80% right, she's 20% wrong. I'm 95% and, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. In every disagreement with your wife or anybody, there's always a sliver of at least something for us to own in the situation. And I, in my pride, was unwilling to own my failure in our marriage in that moment and the reason we, we had arrived at this intense fight. And so the intensity had built and built and it's late at night. It's like, it's like 11 o'clock at night, which sadly oftentimes is where these things kind of crest when we, we have these intense fights. And praise God, he's redeeming us through these intense fights. We're growing in our marriage. Hallelujah. I feel that there is an upward trajectory, but I still work. And in this time of this intensity, 
where I'm cutting her up with my words and everything and pointing everything wrong with her and I'm not owning anything. I'm willing to be sorry. She says, I'm going to my parents. They live about 30 minutes away. And in this time where like, she says, I'm going to my parents. I should be like, ah, oh, my marriage, you know, like she, 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 you know, what's going to happen? She's leaving the house. I don't want her to leave, you know? And like, I should have been humble enough to turn in that time and be like, ah, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, babe, babe, don't leave. But no, I was gripped with fear and I was gripped with this shame of what are her parents going to think of me now? A godly man who, who loves to praise the Lord and, and, he, and he talks through a nice Christianese and everything looks real good on the outside. And, and he presented this great picture of a man who's walking with God and loving their daughter, you know. And here she was walking in their home late at night, afraid, not feeling safe. And what are they going to think? It's, it's not just they don't understand what happened in the fight. She was actually more wrong than me, you know, and you, you don't understand her wrong in this situation. Nah. Whatever idea they could have ended up with of me, which thank God she stayed and we worked through the situation. Whatever idea her parents could have ended up with that I was afraid of being exposed. For, oh, not that bad, actually. No. The reality was, I was probably worse than whatever misconstrued idea I thought they were going to end up with me. Who I am, who you are, apart from the redeeming power of Jesus, it's wretched. It's wretched. In Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, and Pastor Donnie touched on this about a month back, says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. It's reiterated again in Psalm chapter 14, verses 2 through 3. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek but all have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. So many of us in this room have had incredible redemption. The power of God has come and redeemed us from this reality of our nature. I think we all know this reality of our nature and, and we don't want to live staring at that place of who we, are, we were apart from God. But I think there's times often to be reminded as the first beatitude, poor in spirit, to be reminded again and again, don't forget where you were without me. Don't get so full of yourself and think you're beyond the point of backsliding into being more like the natural self that we were apart from God. Hallelujah, many of us have been set free. But when unrepentant sin creeps back in. And when you find that your pride inhibits you from turning away from sin, even in small moments, or actually it was a big moment, like in that example with my wife, what was going on there had one point in my life been redeemed, but things had crept back in and my pride got the best of me. And I was so concerned about my reputation as being someone who I thought I was. I needed to be reminded of who I was without God. I wasn't dependent on 
Unrepentant sin will destroy us. It will destroy our marriages. It will destroy our households. It will destroy your job, your finances, your relationships. Unrepentant sin is the most annihilating thing in our life. Psalm 138, verses six. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. I've known quite a few people who've walked with God 40, 50 plus years, way longer than me. And they've been a part of some incredible bodies of Christ, where God's done incredible things. And, and, and oftentimes, sadly, the story ends up as, you know, five, six, seven, eight some years. There's some incredible seasons in the body of Christ, in people's lives even. But sadly, as people start to spend more time with each other, get to know each other better, start doing more life together, Pride creeps in, tears us apart. Judgment, bitterness, contempt. It ends up fostering an atmosphere that produces fear and shame of being exposed for the struggles that we're going through. We don't, we're not in a safe place present things. My life didn't feel safe to even wrestle through what we were going through anymore. She wanted to run. And we run from each other. In our pride, we run from God. And it can be subtle. It can be real subtle and small, but it's creeping. But in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 6, says, all you clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. Because God opposed the proud, but gives grace, grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. In these times where you, maybe God's un, unpacking things in you and you recognize an unrepentant sin, you, you're like, I'm, re I'm ready to turn, God. I'm ready to turn. That's what repentance means. It means turn, turn from sin. And sometimes the turning process, we want it to be like, boom. God says, he may lift you up in due time. I think we're a work in progress. And some stins are a work in progress. And, and they've spoken already this morning, and we've spoken today, we're believing for some victory to come. Sometimes God does miracles and he accelerates that due time. We don't know his timing and we're not always willing to participate with maybe a better timing that he has. But if we can humble ourselves and close ourselves and come to God and cast things upon God, he will do a work in us. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, it says, Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, restore him gently. But watch yourself. Or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinketh 
himself to be something when he is nothing. He deceiveth himself. What if we clothed ourselves in enough humility and continued to bring our pride and our struggles and our sins to the Lord to cast them upon him? We kept letting God do a work we don't know his time, but Lord, we're believing you're a redeemer, you're a redeemer, you're a redeemer. You're going you're gonna to set me free. And then, well, God wants more than just you coming to him in a quiet place with these things. He doesn't want the quiet struggle of just wrestling year after year with whatever you're going through. He wants brothers who are struggling Carry each other's burdens. When we go to clothe ourselves in humility, maybe we don't like the burden someone put upon us. We can go back and remember who we were apart from Christ, our Savior, the almighty and powerful creator who allowed us and gave us the way to maybe be at a healthier place with maybe a burden someone shared. I really believe God will give you the heart of humility you desire. A lot of you are actually way more humble than you think. You've been begging and crying out and petitioning God, and God's already done countless miracles in you and been purging and cleansing pride from your life. And you are in a tremendously humble place. And that's a great place of victory, to be a carrier of burdens for people. Because you're, you're ready, you're equipped. And maybe you think you're full of so much pride, and maybe you are. But today, the next minute, the Lord could do something in you where you're ready to shift into a new place. I know the Lord has done miracles in split seconds in my heart and my mind that make no sense. They defy understanding. Or maybe God's going to do a work in due time. We don't know. But he's a God of a tremendous power and might. And we press on. We're a family. And a lot of us have not had great family advice, but some of us have. And a great family endures so much for the people they love. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 through 24, he's bringing a word against Judah, God's people, who they're on a downward slide, you know, but he's, he's given them opportunities. He says, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Let us go forth, God. Let us go forth in your strength, in your power, to turn from sin to be clothed in humility, to be brothers in Christ who bear each other's burdens.
And in that place, a great work will be done. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. It's a, a good time for some self-reflection as, as we have Zach come up. But, you, you know, so many times, I don't know offhand how many times the word um, pride or boastfulness or, or being proud is mentioned in the Bible, but, you know, the, the pride of self and the pride of life, like how, how dangerous are those? So I just urge you right now to just kind of sit, sit there and reflect on your life. Like where, where are you putting your priorities? Where is your time going? Where, where is your attention going? What are your thoughts like? You know, because if you're sitting there like, I'm not prideful. That's not my thing. If you can answer that quickly, can I be honest with you? Like, might be something you're struggling with there, and it starts with a P, right? <laughs> but um, hey, real quick, guys. So everybody should have gotten a notebook um, and a pen. If you don't have one, can you just raise your hand for me? Anybody that did? Yes. Yeah, pull the tip off. They are brand new pens. They do work, I promise you. Um, but so, so what's the intention of that notebook? It's, it's for taking notes on each speaker. But a- along with that, um, if, if the Lord gives you something that you just want to, uh, that, that's on your heart that you can kind of pray about later, I encourage you to, to write that down and, and also make this a prayer journal. I think it's an awesome time to just, um, again, not only use this for the conference today, but reflect on that as, as time goes on, you know, moving forward. You know, don't be afraid to use that in your prayer time. But uh, with no further ado, here we have Zach on marriage. Thanks, Zach. You guys hear me? Yeah, it's working. Thank you, Matt. Good morning, guys. Um, so what else would we follow up pride with, right, other than uh, marriage and fatherhood? Um, real quick, for those of you guys that I haven't got to meet yet this morning, uh, my name is Zach Reitenauer. Um, as Matt said, I'm going to be covering marriage and fatherhood. So uh, I've been married to my wife for a little over seven years. Uh, we have two children. Um, my son is eight. My daughter is six. So uh, as you can hear with my extensive, overwhelming experience, hence being asked to speak here today on marriage. So <laughs> um, no, seriously, though, like uh, just thank every I want to thank every one of you guys for coming out here today because the, uh, the blessing that's been put on me in just preparation of this and the reflection that it has required me to do into my marriage and my life as a father, um, I can't, I wouldn't have got it if you guys didn't sign up for this, if it wasn't organized, if every volunteer didn't volunteer, and if you guys didn't register. So um, thank you very much. I hope that uh, whatever is said here in this discussion, just if it just touches one of you guys a fraction of what it has done for me, um, it it's a gift from God. So thank you. Um, so we will, it's going to be a little bit more, it's going to be a lot more marriage focused than fatherhood. Um, and it, and I'm sorry, Larry, because I know when you found out that this was my topic, you were excited because of, you know, how, how is that going to talk about the balance of marriage and fatherhood? Well, in understanding this and studying this, it's come to my attention that there is actually a great imbalance of that, of a, attention to our children and the attention that's given to our wives. And um, if you haven't already figured it out, it's actually an imbalance of attention on our children and we're not giving enough attention to our wives. So um, with that understanding that as husbands who are living 
and godly disciplines in, in showing Christ-like love to our wives and living marriage out in a biblical sense, innately, we're going to become better fathers. Our children are going to see this and they're going to learn from it. Not just our sons on how to treat their wives when they get married or our daughters when they're being courted by a young man, you know, um, they're, they're going to learn this from our interactions with our wives on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, I don't think it's any secret that the institution of marriage and not just our country, but worldwide is under attack, right? Like, I mean, there's, there's nothing backing marriage anymore solely other than the church. I mean, divorce, like the billboards you see, it's just the easiest thing to get out of. It's like, oh, you're a little uncomfortable. Well, I don't like that one anymore. I'm going to move on to this one. Like, wrong. Like, I'm, it couldn't be any further from the truth. And, and it's, it's our responsibility to protect this covenant between a man, a woman, and God. And the only chance we stand in that is to be firmly rooted in God's word in, in a biblical manner, in a Christ-like mindset, to have our foundation set on Christ. And In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, it tells us, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Uh, little side note real quick, like this isn't, this wasn't planned. You know, I hear Pastor Donnie say it all the time. There's a worship song that comes up and in his message, and he's like, it's not planned. Like, honestly, this wasn't planned. The song that we sang earlier, you know, um, by definition, the cornerstone is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. All other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. Um, I just hope we can understand the magnitude of that. Like the first piece is the most important. I don't know if you guys have ever done any masonry work. I've never done it as a living. I had it as a, um, an elective at Votech, and like it really was. It had to be you know, the right amount of grout, it was square with the world, plumb, level, like everything was determined by the position of that first stone. So everything in our marriage is determined by the position of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And if it is not in a firm position, everything that's stacked on top of it is going to fall apart. And, you know, I guess we're going to go through cycles. Like sometimes things are going to fall apart. We're going to put something in the wrong spot. It's not going to fit. It's not going to work. And we're just, you know, we'll have to take a few layers down to remove that piece and, and build it back up, right? Like it's, it's, it's a work of progress. It's one piece at a time. And um, just like, just throw this in there, like, you know, coming into this new year, it, it's just great. Like, I'm so thankful for this timing of year of just the newness of the new year and, and this conference coming up like Sunday. I, I don't know what was going on, but it was like, man, it was just, it was easy to not want to, I didn't want to come to church. Not that I didn't want to, but it was like, I'm started thinking of these things. It's like, man, it's going to be a beautiful day outside. I want to get the roof on the chicken pen, like before snow comes and all these things. And I get so much done, you know, and then I'm trying to wake my daughter up and she always loves coming to church. So it was kind of confusing when she didn't want to come. Like she was tired. Granted, it was New Year's. They were up late, but, and so, which unfortunately made it even easier for me to give myself this excuse of, well, you I mean, is anybody going to really notice we're not there? Like, it's New Year's. Like, we don't really have to go, you know. But but it was like, no, like, that's this side. So then the other side's like, listen, like, 
You know what's going to happen if you don't show up. You know how the rest of your day is going to go. Like you're going to feel like crap. You're going to be so upset with yourself that you didn't go. You're going to watch a sermon later and wish you were there. So I kept, you know, persevered, pushed through, thank God. And I got here and we went through the worship song. And I'm sorry, Mike, because I don't remember what the first one was. But I'm just standing there in between the two worship songs, like just, come on, Lord. Like, uh, and I know it's not emotionally based, but it's just, Lord, I need something. I need something, Lord. And he started off in this song, um, just so happened to be Cornerstone, right? Like, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, right? And it was like, thank you. Like, thank you. I just, I felt like God was speaking to me in that. And then we go into the chorus, and Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. So when you're going through a storm, and your foundation gets shaken, and you're not sure what to do, just please be reminded, as I was, that he is Lord over all. Psalms 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guard stand watch in vain. Guys, I'm just trying to hope, you know, we can sink this in here. We just need him. Our foundation has to be built on him. Everything else will fall apart if we're not built on him. So in light of this, whether you're single, you're here and you're single, you're dating, you're married, you're divorced, if you're a widower, right? Some of the things that we're going to talk about here, they might not apply directly to your life in the season that you're in, but I'd be willing to bet there's a pretty good chance you're going to meet somebody, whether it's at the store, at work, wherever you're going, here at church, right? That's going to need biblical insight into a, their relationship or their marriage, and we need to be prepared for that. With the, the position and the condition culture is in, like it's ever more important for us to be prepared for this. Genesis 2, 21 through 24 say, So the Lord caused man to fall into a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. There's nowhere else, not just in the world, but in Scripture, where a relationship is formed this way, where one a piece is taken out of one, made it into woman, and then they, then they are brought back together. There's nowhere else in Scripture. There's nowhere else in the world. And nothing is accidental in the Bible, right? Every word is intentionally placed, is perfectly placed by God. And the way that he, he maneuvered this is I think just to impress on us the, the importance of, of what marriage needs to be to us and how serious we need to take it. You know, our relationship 
It just has to be first. Like God gave us marriage first and then we have children. You know, you see a lot, I mean, take a moment to be a dad. Take a moment to be a dad. Take time to be a, today to be a dad. Like we need to hear, take time to be a husband, right? Like, and it's not this big dramatic thing. It's just, is there anything I can do to help you? What can I do? Is there something you want done that's not done? Like just, and, and it will grow and it will, you know, incrementally get easier, you know, and that's, that's that pride setting things up, you know, aside and just stepping into that vulnerability and just looking at her and just saying, I'm here. Like, I'm here for you. What can I do? Just, just start with that. Now, unfortunately, there are still men out there where we get married and we run around and around in these bachelor packs. You know, uh, Saturdays for the boys, right? Uh, I'm going to assume we've all at least heard it once. I can tell you that in a former life, I exercised this. This is my thing. Um, but an example of how this can wreak havoc in your marriage, okay, in that former life, I had a friend come up from Georgia Hadn't seen him in a few months. We used to golf a lot. Didn't golf much anymore. So what did we do when he got here? We went out golfing. Now, just to kind of give you a, a, a setting of this, um, Jen and I were not yet married yet, but my son was born. It was in June. And uh, she had recently given up her job. You know, we decided that she was going to stay home with the baby and raise him that way. So, you know, there was, we, we weren't following Christ. So, but we just understood the importance of raising our baby at home. So she was new to this. So, all right, back to the story. I got out. I went on my round golfing. You know, if, you don't, if you're familiar with golf at all, I don't know, there's some pretty manly guys in here, so probably not. But, uh, you know, like it's, it typically takes about four hours, right? A round of golf typically takes about <laughs> – I'm sorry for the golfers. Like I used to be one. But <laughs> – so a, a round of golf is usually about four hours, right? Like if you're playing with four other guys, well, it was just the two of us. So we blew through it, right? Two and a half hours, we're done. Guess what? I got an hour and a half. We're hitting the clubhouse, baby. And guess what we're doing? We're throwing back drinks. Okay, my wife calls me. You know, she's eight months, nine months into having this baby at home. She wants a little freedom too, right? She sees me out there like, listen, he's out there having fun with his friends. I want to go do it with mine. Understandably so. Calls me up. And granted, I'm not in uh, a proper mind state at this time, but hey, when you get home, Crystal and I are going out. And I'm like, what? It's Saturday. Saturday's for the boys. Like, what, what is she talking about, right? What do I do? Hang up the phone. I look at my buddy. I'm like, well, she can't leave if I don't go home, right? Yeah, I see the look on some of your faces, right? I'm pretty sure we don't need to. It didn't end well, all right? <laughs> Honestly, like, thank you. <laughs> but, but seriously, like, this is, this is probably one of the worst fights Jen and I ever had, right? I'm talking, like, pouring down rain, coming home 2 o'clock in the morning, closing the bar, trying to get in my house. Guess what? Every door's locked. Like, screen doors, I can't get in the house. Rip a screen door open, trying to get in the door. I mean, the, you want to talk about causing warfare in your home. My wife was positioned with her feet to the couch, to the door, would not let me in the house wouldn't let me in. Do you blame her? 
like standing where I am now, like, yeah, like, I, you know, too bad she needed a place to live because she probably should have just burnt the house down and left, <laughs> right? Like, because, I mean, what a fool. Like, so, uh, I mean, I get it, right? Like, we're here, it's Saturday, but this isn't uh, Saturdays for the boys gathering, right? This is, this is men of God surrendering and seeking because we know it's not about us. This is, this is a sacrifice not just made by us, but by our families in the pursuit of this, to make these things, not just things, but these relationships in our lives better, you know? 1 Corinthians, oh, excuse me. And I understand that, like, some of these things, I don't know where everybody comes from, right? But you might not have been brought up in a biblical household where these things were lived out before you, and uh, you had the example of coming up in this. And, I mean, speaking, right, that's my testimony, okay? But it's ever more important why we need to just submerge ourselves in God's Word. Pray fervently with our wives. I mean, it's not an easy thing to do, okay? Like, you think, I mean, unfortunately, it's a lot easier for me to pray with you guys here than it is to go home and look at my wife and be like, hey, let's pray you know, and that's my fault because I don't do it enough. So it is that kind of like, you want to pray? You know, you weirdo. So, right. But that's my fault for letting that get weird because it needs to be that staple. It needs to be every day. And then, you know, you, you, you create this atmosphere and you live in that and it's not weird anymore. Right? Like it's not weird anymore. First Corinthians 7, Verses 32 to 34 say, I want you to be free from concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. I mean, Scripture speaks for itself, right? Our priorities are to be fashioned in a way that are pleasing to the Lord. And I think it's safe to say that it starts with, as, as married men, it starts with a wife. Starts with our wives. If you're not married, then it starts with doing the Lord's work. So how do we do that, right? God is calling us to a life of obedience. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33 Say, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Now, forgive me for a second here because I'm going to pause here. And I'm going to jump around. So in this, I have in my notes, you know, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, right? So it's like, okay, well, how did Christ love the church, right? Like he spoke life into, he taught, he loved, gave his life for. And it's like, man, I was just, I was on the way home yesterday and I'm listening to this message and it was just like, I'm, I'm reflecting on this and what God has done for us and just how God, how much 
God truly loves us. And then I'm thinking about this verse of love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And I just felt like these terms that I had here were just so superficial. And that, in that sense of like, God loved us so much that he's, you know, he's, he's apart from time, right? So he saw the beginning, he saw the end, and he saw that we were going to fail. And he knew that we needed a savior. We needed a way out, right? So he became human. He plunged into this filth of this world that we lived in, born in a stable with animals, raised in a time where, I don't know about you guys, but if I had to say, I would have liked to come back when there was heat, air conditioning, cars, right? Like came back in this time. Now, I don't know. I mean, we have it where he tells us they travel for the census, you know, and I looked that up. It was 90 miles one way, right? And I'm assuming he did this for his entire child life, you know, not riding in a nice truck, like on the back of a donkey or in a wagon or walking. Like I can't get my kids to go on a mile hike. I can't imagine 90 miles both ways. Okay. Then to grow up, start his ministry, be chased out of cities, call the criminal, right? Betrayed by one of his friends and his followers, hung on a cross, beaten, mocked, like, right? All this. And I say this as an inward reflection, so please forgive me, but like, do you love your wife that much? Like, is that something, when you think about loving your wife, is this, is this what you're the, the, the length you're willing to go to for her? Right? Like, no, no, it's not. It's never something I've ever fathomed before. But thinking about it this way, it's like, I'm failing horribly at this. I am failing horribly, and I've got a lot of work to do. Now, thanks be to God that there are men like you present in this world, that we have the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to guide us in this and to learn from, because without it, I wouldn't stand a chance. So thank you. But just, I just hope that we can understand the magnitude of that because it's taken me a long time to truly embrace and feel and understand that the depth of that love and how we are called to carry that into our marriage to our wives. Forgive me here while I find my place. Husbands, love your wives as just just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up to make her holy, cleansing by washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church for we are members of this body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Verse 21 tells us to submit to one or another out of reverence for Christ. Right? This isn't like, uh, it gets taken out of context, right? Submit, submit, you know, and then right away, Ephesians 6, 1 says, children obey. Like, this isn't the same thing. This is a, this is a mutual submission, as it says, out of, out of reverence for Christ, out of respect for the Lord and understanding that he is sovereign, 
right? We sang it earlier, like he is sovereign and it's what he's called us to do, to live this life of obedience, to submit. So in that submission, there, there needs to be an understanding that like, yes, we are the head of the household, but I need to be able to sit down and have these conversations with my wife and she needs to be able to speak to me and tell me when she disagrees with me or, or to give praise, right? Like we don't want it to all be about bad things, but to, to when she disagrees with me and we have this discussion or I need to be able to go to her as, as a fellow believer, as a, as a follower of Christ and seek her advice and her wisdom, right? Like, I mean, I'm, I know I'm not the only one here with the wife who sometimes I'm like, wow, she's way smarter than I am. Like, thank God for her because I totally would have screwed that up, right? Like, you know, so be able to sit down and have these conversations, like, it's a, it's a mutual submission. And guys, like, it doesn't make you any less of a leader, right? In fact, like, I think it's pretty easiest for us to say, like, it, it makes you a better leader when you're willing to recognize that, like, you're not the smartest guy in the room. Like, even at home, even with kids, like, are you kidding me? Listen, all right. So the other night, we were on our way down here for Wednesday night for Rangers, and Zachary goes to me, hey, can you spell, excuse me, our last name with books of the Bible? My last name's 10 letters long, okay? <laughs> like, this stinking kid did it. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I can't even repeat it because I'm just that dense, but he did it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, praise God for, again, men like you, men and women like you and your families who volunteer and serve in places like this because without it, he wouldn't be able to do that. That's not me. That's God and the Holy Spirit. Like, so just, I mean, it can come from anywhere. So just be open to that. Like, yeah, just, I mean, as Jesse said, right, we got to set our pride aside. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3 says, the husband should fulfill his marital duties to his wife. Likewise, wife should, excuse me, and likewise, the wife to her husband. So as we said earlier, you know, it, God's order of words are no coincidence, right? Like first he's telling us, husband, you should fulfill the needs of your wife first, right? And we, I mean, we see that somewhat, or maybe, and if you don't, we need to try to bring it back. Ladies first, right? I mean, that, that doesn't just come out of thin air. Like it's here, it's in scripture, ladies first. But also, too, we need to be careful in this text because if we can, you know, we can take this and we can run with it in a manner that's not of God. And so it's not like, well, she should, should fulfill my needs. She should fulfill my needs. Like I get home and dinner's not done. Why isn't dinner done? Why isn't, you know, so if we just, I'd like to take a step back from that mindset and just kind of look at it as like, are you pleased with your wife? But not in the sense of like, in that, has she done enough? Are the floors clean when you get home? The kids' toys put away. But are you pleased with your wife in the sense of, are you thankful? Uh, are you in a, is your heart in a position to receive this gift from God that you can nurture it and grow in it and love it and, and handle it in the way that he's called us to? Like, are we, are we in that state? Um, Again, this is just kind of like things that I've just reflected on myself, but 
I, I just, I can only hope we are. And if we're not, you know, if she's not fulfilling, if, if, if your wife isn't fulfilling them, I think it's that we need to take a step back and look at our role. Are we fulfilling our role in the marriage that's causing things to be this way before we're to look at her and judge her and say, she's not fulfilling her role. She's not pleasing me. We need to take that external step back and just, and just reflect in on ourselves first. So, I just thank God again. I thank you for you, men. Um, I just kind of want to elaborate a little more on on the friends side of this. Like, friends are a good thing, right, guys? Like, I don't, I don't. I mean, we're all here together. So, you know, I don't want you to become a recluse and just hide in a closet. Like Zach said, friends are bad. Like, well, right? No, like, right? Let's just not take it out of context. We need this stuff. I need this stuff. So, but we also need to make sure that our marriage is first. You know, even in our service, right? If we're, if we're serving God, serving God is a great thing, but he's called us to love our wife first. So if our service is getting in the way of our marriage, maybe we need to dial it back a little bit. I'm not saying drop the ball and just totally abandon ship, but just make sure we have our, our priorities in mind. Just to finish it up here, when I was going to print this out, uh, I reached down under the stack of paper, and there was this poem sitting there on top of it, and I just refuse to believe in coincidence anymore. It's titled, My Dad's Hands. It says, my dad's hands are strong, and they're big, and they're tough. But when I need help, they're gentle enough. My dad's hands can teach me to work and to give, and by their example, I'll learn how to live. Right now, my hands are small, and learning good from bad. Someday I hope my hands will be just like my dad's. Um, you ever seen a reflection of yourself in your kids? I do all the time. Sometimes ones I wish they wouldn't reflect, right? Yeah, let's be honest, right? Like, oh my gosh, he did that, right? <laughs> so like, you know, not just our hands, but our hearts, our minds, our spirit, right? Like, we need to position ourselves so that when they reflect us, because they're gonna, not just our sons, but our daughters, when they reflect us, that reflection that we see Christ in them, because that's who they should be seeing in us, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to pray? You want me to pray? Let's pray, guys. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for every family, household, man, spirit, soul represented here today, Lord. I thank you for these men. I thank you for the impact that they're going to have on the world. I thank you for the impact that they've had in their homes, in their churches, in their communities. I thank you for the impact, again, that they're going to have. I thank you for the impact they've had in my life. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your guidance and your everlasting love, Lord. I just pray that as we go forward, that we would only, if we could just carry a portion of the love that you have given to us, Lord, it would change the world. Amen. So I'm asking today, Lord, for a full serving. Give us a full serving to take out into the war world, Lord. Let us just be warriors for you 
ground shakers, game changers, just to shape this world and to start a revival just here in our communities, in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, Lord. Lord, I just pray safety and protection over each one of us as we go out to the games, as we go forward, sharing fellowship, share testimonies. Lord, I just that you would break down walls, shake barriers, and just soft, soften hearts, Lord, that the discussion would just be pleasing to you. Again, I just pray safety and protection over everyone here today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Zach. Thank so you. It, it's a good reminder, you know, for, for all of all of us guys who, who are currently married, it's a kind of a no-brainer, this topic, right? But for, for guys that are like, well, you know, I'm still in the single age of life or, you know, um, for whatever reason, you know, here you are today and, and you're single as well. It's like, can, can you raise your hand if you're married? All right. Almost everybody. Can you raise your hand if you know somebody who's married or are married? Oh my gosh, everybody. Okay. Then that totally applied to you, right? So we can take this information and then, you know, for, for some that can't utilize it right away, put it in the back of your head, right? Because there will be times where you may need to counsel somebody or for yourselves that are going are gonna to court somebody and eventually get married. All amazing information. So thank you.